Are you ready for this? Let's do it. Welcome to the Manifestation Queen podcast, your filter-free and uncensored source for all things manifestation. I'm Cassie McKenzie, and I'm a manifestation expert. I'm here to raise your vibes and your cash flow. Listen, I've manifested everything from a beer, a six-figure salary, my husband, and homes, and more. And I am spilling everything I can on this podcast so you can learn how you can do the same. The more fun I have, the more manifestations appear, and the more money I make. So it's my obsession to show you how you can be, do, and have anything you want. So join the movement to raise your income and your impact on this world. Become a manifestation queen and create a life that feels like a vacation. Let's do the damn thing. Oh my God, this is a very special episode about how to manifest all the things, okay? So this episode, I'm actually recording it on my six-year anniversary of getting married to my South African husband, actually Dutch, South African. And um, this is going to be fully uncensored, okay? I feel like I haven't been 100%, like my whole self. I know I try to let more and more and more of that come out, but I'm really going to take off all of the masks today and let you in on what and how my life actually is even more. So um, before I get started, what I want to mention first is, you know, the whole theme of this is that you don't have to just focus on one area of your life at a time in order for you to experience a shift in a massively abundant way. You don't have to like get your business running before you can find love or, you know, get married before you start to focus on making serious cash or even like being happy or having joyful or having perfect health, being having joyful, (laughs) having a buttload of joy in your life, you know, or even working on your health, right? You don't have to wait and get things one at a time. Um, your life can be wildly abundant in your life, in your business, your just every aspect. And that's the way that it's totally meant to be. And so this is what I'm working on with the ladies who are joining the Abundant as Fuck Mastermind. And this is a very special mastermind that I am running. It's starting in March and... This is going to be so next level, connecting you with the massively abundant blood that's running through your veins right now, just waiting for you to claim everything that you want in life. Maybe you're in a stagnant relationship and stressed out with your, you know, hustle that you've been doing in your job or in your business or starting your business and adjusting to life after corporate. And there's all these things that I know I've gone through and just kind of called bullshit on. Like it doesn't have to be that way, right? And we make things harder on ourselves so much often than not. So if you are curious about how it would feel to wake up every day super excited about what you're about to do and super excited about your life and 
being grateful and, and feeling abundant every day without any gaps in between. And if you did experience gaps, you'd know exactly where to go because you've got this community of high achieving, high performing, like super fun mastermind ladies to go to and also me as your big main support as well. So this is what it's going to look like in the Abundant as Fuck Mastermind. And um, I want you to reach out to me right now if you're feeling the pull, if you're ready for more in your life, if you're ready to just stop shrinking yourself to make other people feel good and stop blaming time or money as the reason why you don't get to accomplish things in your life or even your kids. I mean, my God, I just heard my kids. I think they just screamed for me for like the 11th time this morning. And I just like, you know what? You got to take care of yourself first. So if you're feeling the pull and you want more harmony in your life around money, love, health, freedom, joy, and fun, I mean, it's going to be really fucking fun. Let me tell you then reach out to me because it's going down and I only have four spots left for the kickoff. So you can find me on all the places. If you're listening to me here, all the links are in the show notes. So, but it's at XO Cassie McKenzie on on everything and you can just send me a message. To claim your spot before they're all gone, okay? Alrighty, so getting into this episode, I am really excited to record this episode because I have not shared the story of how my husband and I met. And this is really, really an amazing manifestation that for a lot of people would think that it was completely impossible or like very illogical as to how we met. I mean, I had to take a lot of big risks, you know, take the plunge, take the jump and I know that's one area that people a lot of times feel uncomfortable with. So here is the whole story. If you are out there looking to manifest your own love life or maybe just like create a better relationship with the person that you're with right now, um, then this is for you. So where do I begin? All right. I got married out of college. Uh, I think uh, it was like 22 I don't know, whatever it was in 2002, I guess I was 24, um, to a guy I met in college who, you know, really nice guy, but there was just not much passion there. So we became like kind of roommates and friends. And I knew like pretty shortly after we got married that, and you know, that it really wasn't a great match for me, but I didn't have the balls to actually stop it before we got married. And I thought, oh, I can always change my mind later. Not exactly the way you want to go into a marriage, let me tell you. And I know like I'm not alone in this though. You know, like there's this kind of like thing where you're supposed to get married by a certain day or a certain day, by a certain time. And you're supposed to have kids by a certain time and it's supposed to look a certain way. And it's all fucking bullshit because it ends up costing you so much more money and so much more heartache when you go through life like that. So um, I filed for divorce and bought a condo in downtown Atlanta in 2006 and partied my ass off for the next two years. I had so much fucking fun. I felt liberated. I felt free. I had to learn how to date again, which was very uncomfortable and very hard. But, and all in all though, I learned a lot about humans and 
Over the next several years, I ended up moving to San Diego on my own, taking a huge risk to do that, and I loved it out there. I absolutely loved it. Shortly after, though, I started dating a guy that I knew from Atlanta who happened to move out there at the same time I did, and he was a pilot, and I thought that was really cool. And there was, again, that pattern of going back to the familiar, the easy, the comfort. And I I remember thinking like, oh, this guy's like really lucky to be dating me because I never would have dated him in Atlanta. And I don't say that to be bitchy, but I say that just because like retro, like in retrospect, I completely like left myself again. And I started, I actually went out with this guy for what I thought was going to be a couple months. It turned out to be four years. He basically gave me every sign that he wasn't into us as like a super big future. And it was like the stubbornness in me, the wanting to like, like get him. You know what I mean? Like kind of, what's that? You know what I, you know, like when you're dating somebody and you know, like, There's just this vibe of like, oh my God, why would he not want to be with me? You know, like my ego reared up big time. It was like, I'm going to make him love me and make him want to marry me. I mean, what the fuck? Did I not learn anything from like my first relationship? Like Jesus Christ. Anyway, so I ended up like becoming obsessed with our relationship. I pandered to everything he wanted to do. Um, he announced, this was like back in 2008 when the, like the stock market crashed, he announced like he, even though he loved San Diego, he was just going to move back to Atlanta and I was and that we were going to be long distance. And I was like, like thinking back on it, I would probably say, fuck this. There's a million hot guys out here. And I need to live my life and stay here. But guess what Cassie ended up doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, fast forward. Over the next couple of years, I <clears throat> basically abandoned every interest that I actually had. I became so obsessed with our relationship that it was like almost like a mild state of depression. Like I didn't even know my own identity anymore. Um, I ended up moving back to Atlanta after getting laid off and moved in with him, still thinking, like I moved all of my shit and my dog back across to Atlanta. I loved San Diego. I didn't really love Atlanta. Like it felt like San Diego was my home. And I remember sitting there and we drank a lot. Like that's when, well, after my divorce, I started, you know, partying a lot and stuff like that but like we would drink Red Bull vodka and like I don't know it's like I kicked it up even more when I was around him it was just like a very unhealthy we fought all the time I remember moving back there with him or you know moving in with him and thinking oh my god it's really happening no it's okay to move back to Atlanta I've got all these friends and it's worth it if I'm gonna end up being married and blah 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 right well about a month after living there he we got in this kind of like argument and he basically had said he he said he hadn't considered marriage at all for us after i had literally like picked up and moved across the country left everything i loved in san diego basically didn't live the life that i really was meant to live in san diego the first time around because i was obsessed with this stupid relationship and 
I just went into a total tailspin after that. Like I was really insecure. I pandered even more to what he had. We'd fight all the time because I became like just completely obsessed with marrying this guy who was like the worst fucking match for me ever. Like, why do we do this? Right. I'm sure you or somebody, you know, does this same exact fucking bullshit and share this episode with them because don't worry. There's actually a great ending to it. So, but for the time being, spoiler alert, we ended up breaking up about a year or so, maybe a year and a half after me moving in with him. And here's how he did it. This is really, really great. Um, I was going to work. So what I would do is I would like shift everything that I needed to do for work to the days that he, because I was a pharmaceutical rep back then. So I would focus on my job like on the days that he was out of town and when he was in town I would so I'd do like extra work on certain days to then be able to spend time with him like he fucking cared and um one day though I remember I had a lunch or I had some sort of appointment and I remember like saying he was in bed when I left and I was all dressed and I was like okay so I'm gonna go to work when we come back we can go to lunch and he's like yeah sure So I left to go, and when I came back for lunch, thinking we were going to have lunch, like he must not have really wanted to go to lunch at all. But when I came back, he broke up with me. He had all of his shit packed in his car. He broke up with me, basically was like, okay, I will, um, I'll talk to you, like, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you, like, you know, in the next couple days. And I'm like, this is a guy I used to talk to every fucking day, like, I did not even, since I had left my identity, I totally like abandoned my true heart and soul. So I was left like a shell of myself sitting on the floor crying. And he's just like, I remember him just leaving and closing the door. And then I never saw him really again, intentionally. Um, We hardly ever talked. Like he didn't talk to me for a week. I was a hot fucking mess, like a hot mess. And I ended up moving out. Um, moved my doggy. I moved into a teeny tiny apartment, which was like 500 square foot downstairs apartment in Atlanta. So here I had gone from having a six figure job, probably $25,000 in savings, um, moved to San Diego, lived in a really, really nice place, you know, like I'm, I'm not a very materialistic person, but I like nice shit. So like, I really loved my place. It had a rooftop balcony. And then you fast forward a few years and here I was like going from like the deluxe apartment in the sky down to like a downstairs 500 square foot, small, like dark apartment in Atlanta. It was like a house that had been converted into five apartments. So the like 90 pound Asian guy that lived above me sounded like a goddamn brontosaurus. And it would like wake me up in the morning and like, oh my God, it's like, holy fork and shirt balls. It was just so annoying. Anyway, so you can see how unglamorous my life became after a while, like fucking rock bottom. And it was at this time that my friend Vaughn and I decided like a couple months after that, um, you know, like I really stopped drinking a lot. I joined a kickball team, I think. I think that was around then. And I started to meet other people. 
And I started to like make a whole lot of friends because I didn't have a lot of friends when my ex-boyfriend and I were together, Thomas. I was so obsessed with him and his life that I completely didn't even create my own. And if I did, it was like a piss poor half-ass effort at it. Like honestly, if I'm being completely honest, And you know whether or not you've put in 100%, right? You know. You know if you're being fucking lazy with your life. You know it. It's just somebody has to tell you that, right? So it happened to be that I had to be the one to tell myself that. So it was right around the same time I started to make a whole lot of friends. I actually went to a psychic with my friend Vaughn. She, I remember the day she messaged me and was like, do you want to go to a psychic with me? And I was like, uh, sure. I mean, I'll tag along. What, what's the worst that can happen, right? So we end up going to the psychic and she does a reading on me with tarot cards and she did like, I don't know, like something else. And basically her, the gist of her message was like, I can, I can feel like you can see that you're hurting. Um, your energy is like more like a, like a depressed energy right now. And I know you've been through a lot of hurt and I had not told her any of this stuff. Right. And so she said though, but you're, you're going to meet your soulmate in your, he, he looks like this. He, um, you know, you're going to be really successful at anything you do. You know, if you do meet him, you guys are going to have two kids. You're going to have a boy first and a girl. And then, but here's the thing. In order for you to recognize him, you have to have like a, a, like basically like a frequency injection in your like energy. I did not know dick about like energy work back then and very, very minimally. So I didn't even know what the fuck she was talking about. I was like, um, okay, my energy needs to be up. Like the way I took that was like intuitively and like I didn't even know that I was intuitive back then. But like intuitively, I took that as like, okay, I need to get my shit together if I'm supposed to meet this guy. Like, how am I going to recognize him if I'm sitting here pining over some fucking loser that's flying around in the unfriendly skies, you know, not giving a shit about me and listening to like really shitty 90s punk rock music, you know, like he's my fucking match. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man, get your shit together. So I decided to get my shit together. I actually started, um, well, it all started when I started listening to the CDs, the audiobook again of The Secret, which I had bought when I lived in San Diego and I had this like really bitchy boss that like, oh my God, gave me complete anxiety and I hated. And so I bought The Secret because I was like, what's the fucking secret? And I didn't get what the secret was until I was on a road trip down here to St. Petersburg, Florida from Atlanta after my grandfather, grandmother um, passed away. And I popped those babies into like the CD into my Toyota Highlander and started listening to it. And it was like, this was exactly what I needed to hear. These messages from the secret, from the law of attraction, from possibility, from actually asking for what you want and then getting it. This was exactly what I needed to hear. It was the exact right thing at the right time. And it hit me like a freaking bullet and or like a lightning bolt more. Like I became a different person. I started like getting so excited 
so excited about my situation. Here my grandmother had died, you know, like I'm living in this crappy little fucking apartment in Atlanta by myself with my dog, single, divorcee, you know, like kind of took 10 steps backwards, right? On paper, it looked like that. But nothing else had changed except I started listening to this content. And when I did, it hit me so much in my soul that I was like, yes, this is it. This is it. This is the energy switch. Like this is it. And so I got so excited and poured everything into the mission of manifesting my soulmate. So from there on, I literally remember thinking, I don't give two shits about money. I just want to find love. I just want to find my soulmate. I want to like, you know, be happy. I want to have like a happy life. And from then on, like magic started to happen. But first, this brings me to the first lesson of this. Leave the situation when you feel like your intuition is saying to, okay? When you're getting that intuitive nudge, when something tells you it doesn't feel right, just do yourself and your soul a favor and change something about it. Leave. Change the situation. Go in the direction that you're feeling pulled to. Because a round peg is never going to fit in like the square hole or however that saying goes. You're always going to be trying to force the situation and, and true abundance and freedom and flow is not forcing it, right? So you allow more to come into your life when you stop trying to force and control everything around you and to change people around you that aren't already a good match, Okay, so the first step is to really figure out what it is that you want. Okay, this is the first step that I took. I went down and I made a list of my ideal soulmate, wrote down all the characteristics. The only thing that I didn't specify was where he lived. Like the very first thing on the list was like he's single, male, straight and lives within 50 miles of blank. I was scared shitless to say San Diego because I wasn't in San Diego yet. And I was equally scared shitless to say Atlanta because I didn't fucking like living in Atlanta. I started making so many amazing friends. And as soon as I started focusing on the relationships that I, you know, wanted to manifest from like a, you know, like romantic perspective, it made me love myself so much more and set standards for myself for that type of relationship and the type of actions that I would take as a paired up woman, right? So I started attracting so many amazing friends. Like the one thing I can say about that couple of years after, you know, in Atlanta was that even though it was like very heartbreaking at, at a certain point and very hard in that relationship, I still made so many amazing friends like I walked away from that experience way 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 more abundant in every part of life than I ever ever could have imagined because I ended up moving back to San Diego and I'm going to tell you about that in a second but I was afraid to say San Diego or Atlanta I made this big list it was like 30 or 40 different things um some kind of specific but it was mainly like um the characteristics right? Like standards, the way he would treat me, the way I would feel. Um, And 
I also had to let myself off the hook a lot. Um, I had to make peace with the relationship that I had. And really, I, I had found myself still kind of like held back in my head from that relationship um, with my ex and always like wondering what was he doing or wondering like, oh, you know, does he have a girlfriend yet? Or does he, you know, like, and why am I still not good enough? You know, like those same patterns were, and I was scared shitless to run into him. I literally, every time I'd go get my hair done, it was like, it was like a block away from his, like where we used to live. And I, I used to own a condo in that same building too. I got so afraid to go into that building because I did not want to face him. And I didn't want to see him with somebody else either. And it like completely would send me into this like, anxiety ridden state instead of being like fuck I don't care I'm powerful here right but this whole process of letting go letting myself off the hook starting to forgive myself and him and just like I wrote a letter to him and burned it like (laughs) in the backyard of my apartment and it really was cathartic. It allowed me to cut the cord there and to stop thinking about him so much and to focus more on where I was going because it wasn't going to help with me carrying the baggage of our old relationship around, but also it wasn't going to help to focus on what he was doing and not on what I was doing. Like how the fuck can that get you anywhere good, right? So I started becoming a match for the relationship that I really wanted and I did a lot of inner work. I focused a lot like on the concepts that, you know, are explained in law of attraction and, you know, manifestation and learning as much as I could, as much as I could, as much as I could, right? And embodying that too. And what I started to like realize was that I was actually embodying the paired up woman who's in a healthy loving, like passionate relationship and feels confident and secure and trusts herself and trusts the person she's with. Like all of the characteristics that I never had in the previous relationship. And I started to like embody these and and that's how I started to attract everything that I needed to me. Because here's the thing, when you do this work on yourself, when you claim your fucking power, When you say this is me and this is my standard and I'm not taking anything less, I want, you know, this is what I want to manifest. This is the type of life I want to live. This is the type of partner I, I wish to have. Then everything starts falling into place and you give a lot less fucks about everything else going on around you. So don't get me wrong. Like when we were in Atlanta, I did like I was open to meeting somebody there if they were going to be the one that, you know, that. I had imagined myself actually settling down with for a long time, right? Or, you know, like getting married to and stuff. But I just never found him. Like I had a lot of really amazing guy friends who were very attractive, like very well put together, um, fun, like the life of the fucking party. But the chemistry just really wasn't there. Like it just wasn't there. It was going to be forced again. And I wasn't going to allow myself to force myself into a relationship again and deny what my soul actually wanted to do. So these were a lot of like big, big things because you're going to be, and this is lesson number two, you are a match for what you choose. Your past is going to keep repeating itself over and over and over again until you decide and you choose to focus on you and what you want and really nail that down on what you truly actually want. 
And this goes for you too. If you're, you know, like I've seen people deny what, you know, what race they even want to date, right? Like I've, I've had friends who were very much attracted to, you know, African-Americans and, and black men, but like they were afraid of what their family would say. I've had, you know, the same with like, you know, my Asian friends sometimes feeling pressure to, you know, date Asian men, even if they really were not a great match for it, you know, and it really wasn't what their heart was pulled and their soul was pulling them towards. So don't deny what you actually in your heart and soul want. You know, if you're a woman and you're into women, go out for with a woman. Don't try to force yourself to get married to a man just because somebody else outside of you says that that's what you're supposed to want. Okay, so your past is just going to keep repeating itself. You're going to have failed relationships. You're going to date people who aren't right for you until you decide to choose, you know, a different way and choose a different outcome and be the fucking leading lady of your own life. Okay. Or man, if there's a man listening to this. Okay. And then the other part is to like, this is not about faking it till you make it. Like, I truly believe in owning it until you make it. Own your fucking power until you have what you want. You need to embody every little aspect of what it will be like when you get your desire, the feelings, the thoughts, the actions of what it would be like. Like, you know, you as a single person, if you're listening to this and your friends say it's okay to sleep around. It's okay to sleep around. It doesn't hurt anything, right? But if you think about it from like, if your goal is to be married and and, because this is a conversation I had with myself, like if my goal is to be married and I was a married person, if I was partnered up, would I be sleeping around? No. Like, would I be secure in who I was with and that that's what I wanted and like secure that what I want is going to come around anyway? Yeah, I would be, right? And I personally always just found that like your vibe is going to be the most important thing for you to protect. And you can't embody a future version of you from a vibe that's got mixed up energy. And to me, like sleeping around or dating a whole bunch of people that you're really not into just to take your mind off the fact that you're single just muddles the energy there, right? You just end up denying yourself the satisfaction that you could have if all of your attention was actually focused on your goal. And, you know, that was the most magical thing I could have done for myself, to be honest with you. You know, like just imagine what it's going to be like and feel the feelings of what it's going to be like, where you are, like, what do you have? I remember even like driving down the road and being like pretending that my boyfriend was sitting in the seat next to me, like the passenger seat. And it's so funny because like, I would feel it. I'd feel it and I'd laugh and giggle and like pretend we're having conversation and it felt so fucking real that I was like, oh my God, this is happening. He's there. He's there. At the right moment, he's there and he's going to, like, we're going to meet. It's inevitable. Like, it's fucking inevitable. So this is where the, the story gets really interesting. So remember I said I didn't really know like where I wanted to be living? Or where, like, I wanted to meet this guy or where. So I started to explore the idea of moving to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Because I really, what I really heart, like, my heart desire was 
to live by the beach. And the Fort Lauderdale idea would have been easier because, um, and it was like so fucking random that I came up with Fort Lauderdale. It was like one night I was looking at the map of Florida and I was like, hmm. Because I literally, like I love where I'm living now in St. Petersburg, but for some reason back then, I just thought it was like a whole bunch of old gray-haired people and Canadians that were down here all the time, and I had no fucking interest in moving to like some old folks home, you know? So I was like, oh, Fort Lauderdale, that actually sounds fun. Maybe it would be a good idea to move to Fort Lauderdale. And I had made some friends down there. I had gone on like a ski trip and had so much fun. When I came back, I was like, okay, I'm putting it in the, into the universe to move, but I kind of want to go to San Diego too. And this is what happens when you have split energy, okay? If you have a split energy and you're not quite 100% sure and honoring yourself as to what you actually want, then you are delaying what you want coming to you, okay? Be precise about declaring what it, the fuck it is that you want, Okay? Because here's what, this is like really, really, really interesting. My heart wanted to go to San Diego. My head said it would be easier to go to Florida. And it wasn't until I just full on decided like, fuck this Fort Lauderdale idea. I really want San Diego. I'm deciding I'm going there. It was probably like in October or September of 2012 that I just finally admitted to myself because my friends would be like no don't go that far we love you and I'm like oh my god but I really like I can't stay in Atlanta I just can't I tried I tried that summer to become like a lake person and it was just dirty and grimy and gross and just annoying as much as I loved my friends I knew it was time to peace out and every time I heard the name you know, the word California or San Diego. I just got flutters. So excited. So I was like, okay, this is it. This is my sign. I'm going to San Diego. I'm obsessed with the San Diego Chargers. I would literally go every like Sunday and sit at this pho restaurant that was sort of like the one I went to all the time in San Diego and watch the Chargers play. And seriously, it was like, oh my God, thinking back on it now, it's like, holy shit, girl, like you knew exactly what you wanted. You just delayed it by like waiting, right? But a few months later, you know, I was like very, very content with my life. I knew it was going to work out somehow. I was, I, I was like, I'm moving there regardless. Like even if I have to quit my job, although I don't really want to quit my job, I'd rather want to get like laid off because then I know I could get at least like a severance or a payout for like a couple months and be fine. Well, in January of 2013, we ended up having a conference call with the company And what had happened was, is they let us know that our jobs were officially kaput, that we were all getting laid off, our whole sales force got laid off, and there was no indication that this was ever going to happen, like, in the months leading up to it. It, like, took most of everybody by surprise, and... I think I was the only one that was so fucking excited because I had already started putting my stuff in storage. I was already like living month to month at this like much bigger and better like 1200 square foot foot place that was like right across the street from one of my like best guy friends and like right next to where all the bars and restaurants were and I absolutely loved living there. And I was like fully content living there until it was time to move to California and it literally was like the shortest period ever. I think I lived there for a full month before, you know, finally moving. Maybe a month and a half. I'm not sure. 
So they let us know on January 9th that we were moving, that we were losing our jobs. And I believe I was out in California in two weeks, like two weeks later, I strapped my dogs in the car and I packed everything up and sent it out in like one of those big box things. And, uh, oh, dressed up a male blow up doll named him Bart. Wait, what was it? Bernard put a Philip Rivers, the quarterback of the San Diego Chargers, former quarterback, put a Philip Rivers jersey on him and strapped him into the front seat and put a South Carolina Gamecocks hat on him. So at least it wouldn't look like I was driving alone. (laughs) And also I kind of ended up feeling like I actually had somebody like in the car with me. So that was pretty cool. But I was like, I was so excited. I was so excited to move to San Diego again. And my heart was so pumped. My friend Susan offered like for me to live on her couch for like a month till I figured out what I wanted to do. And granted, I was totally unemployed. I I had been given like two months severance. So I was good through March. I was able to get in a like a one bedroom studio apartment in downtown San Diego. And with my, and it was dog friendly. I had two dogs now, like my puppy Ozzy and then Dixie came with me too. And it was like such a different feeling though. I felt so expansive. I felt like I had finally done it. Even though I was sitting there unemployed, even though I was single, even though I was like turning 35 or had just turned 35, I was like perfectly excited because I knew everything was falling into place. I had decided that's where I'm meeting my soulmate. And um, so if you want to fast forward like this, I'm going to tell you a series of events that will show you how synchronicities happen because this shit will blow your mind. Okay. One night in February, Susan and I, like we were, (laughs) all we wanted to ever do is go listen to live bands play and then go have happy hour, beers at the bar and (laughs) take mushrooms and Molly and have so much fun. Like we just kind of like blew it out like all the time. It was so much fun. And so we had planned to go to Coachella, which we did. And I was like, living the California life. This is perfect. And um, but one night we were supposed to go hear a band play in a part of town called North Park. And we were in we were living in, you know, part of town called Little Italy down by the marina and feeling a little bit lazy. So we were like, you know what, let's go to this bar called the Waterfront. It's not on the water, but we're going to go to the waterfront. And we've heard like it's kind of like the oldest dive bar in San Diego. And we ended up going and sitting next to a table full of people with amazing accents. There was like nine people. I think it was eight guys and one woman. We started talking to them. And as I'm talking to them, I'm like, oh, my God, they are all yachties. They worked on this big boat called the Luna. It's the largest um, expedition super yacht in the world. And they were part of the crew, the deck crew. And the one woman, Angie, was actually all the guy's boss. They swore like sailors, just like us, drank, smoked, did all the things. They had so much fun. And Susan actually started dating one of them. Well, as she started dating one of them, you know, she obviously stayed in touch with all the guys on the boat. And um, a few months later, there is an event, you know, and I remember being like at I remember being at the waterfront. It started to be like our hangout, like our go-to hangout. 
remember sitting there and having like a table full of single women and just listening to the way they talked about being single was so fucking depressing. I was literally the only one that was like, you can meet your soulmate at any point. They could be here. They could be walking right by. They'd be like, no, look at that couple. All the good ones are taken. They're just douchey here. All the guys are just douchey. And then like you'd see the happy couple walk by and it would like incense them. It would make them so angry. because they're like, oh, look at them all happy. And I'm like, guys, this is proof that it's possible for you too. You seeing these people walking by holding hands or going out on date night or whatever is proof that that's available for you too. It's not that the other ones are taken. It's that you could meet your soulmate at any given time. And here I was the single one too, but I didn't look at myself like that. I thought like I looked at it from an expansive and abundant point of view that like I want to be a match an energetic match. Before I even knew what energetic match was, I knew at my core, you know, consciously I didn't know, but subconsciously, you know, and from a soul perspective, I knew that being an energetic match meant that my mindset and my opinions and whole way of being needs to match the exact relationship that I want, right? The outcome that I want. It needs to match that. So, from an expansive point of view, I was attracting like amazing opportunities left and right. I was still unemployed, but remember, remember I had set the intention for love and not money. That's the one thing I probably would change going back to it because then I could probably have been, you know, creating an expansive wealth consciousness again at that time instead of just thinking that it was you know, only possible through like a corporate job, which was my belief at the time. I had no idea there was this whole like side, you know, part of the internet that was starting called the coaching industry. That could have changed a few things back then. But hey, I had Rhonda Byrne and Bob Proctor videos and that was that that did it for me at the time. And but here's the thing. Here's what happened. So the more open I was for a relationship, the more synchronicity started happening and it all starts with that night when we ended up going to the waterfront because a couple months later we ended up at the ocean beach chili cook-off and street fair and my brother had moved out at the time and Susan was like, oh, I invited Sam and, you know, the guys from the Luna. They're supposed to come meet too. And I was like, uh, oh, whatever. That sounds good. I'm going to meet Kevin. We're going to have so much fun. Like I was just focused on going there and having fun. And unbeknownst to me, like my husband had joined the boat. He had become one of the deckies on the deck crew. And of course, like I wasn't hanging out with them all the time like Susan was, you know, so I didn't really know. And that day, (laughs) you know, like when people say that you have to be a certain way in order to meet your soulmate. Well, that's all bullshit because here's how I met mine. We had been taking our beers out into the alleyway to sit back there and smoke cigarettes and there are people also doing like possibly like a few drugs here or there I mean it was a festival right and there was this point where we were all out there and 
these cops walked by. One of my friends was like, oh my God, we were hiding behind a car, like just sitting on a ledge, like classy as fuck, right? So we're sitting behind a ledge with our beers and one of my friends was like, oh my God, there's the cops. Like they never would have known we were there, but she goes, ah, the cops are there. And we literally like, they stopped and they, I think they had like burritos in their hand or whatever. It was like 4.30. They were ready to go home and they're like, oh great, now I got to deal with these three like chicks. So we stood up and I left my beer back there. So I kind of like, they saw me kind of like look back at the car and then check on something and then come back. And I was actually just trying to make sure we didn't leave any drugs back there, (laughs) to be quite honest with you. I mean, hi. And literally they go, what are you doing? What are you doing back there? And I was like, um... I went on full on like chunk mode, right? Where, you know, that character from the Goonies that like starts launching into some big, long winded, high pitched, like half crying story about like, oh, I left my beer back there and I don't want to get in trouble because like I just interviewed for a job. I'm unemployed and I just interviewed for this like fucking amazing job with Amgen and I can't have anything on my record like or else they're gonna see it. they're not gonna hire me and I like went on and on and on this like rant and like the guys meanwhile we're standing there they're like give us you know give us your driver's license like whatever asking like standard questions and their eyes got really big they looked at me and they were just like oh my God, like this is way too much to handle at this point. Like I don't even have it in me. I can't. So they looked at, they looked at the three of us and they were like, okay, you guys can go, but I want you to go up there to where your stuff is. Cause I started making up this story about how, cause they were like, why are you down here? Why do you have your beers down here? Like they were going to give us a ticket or fucking arrest us. I don't know. And they, um, <laughs> they go, why are your beers here? And I started blaming. I was like, I made up the story about how Sam had brought his friends and they were so annoying and they were just like picking on us and just being so rude. And we came down because they're just like, blah, 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 you know, like making this whole big, they had not done any of the thing. They could not have been nicer people. And here I'm like throwing them under the bus. I mean, we all laughed about it later because he was like, dude, that was pretty chill. Like great one, great save. <laughs> but, but like the cops go, okay, what we want you to do is go up there and go grab all of your stuff and leave. You can't stay here. So we're like, okay, so what do we do? We go up to the bar, go sit in our seats. We hid, we ordered another beer and probably smoked a million cigarettes. And like, I remember like my whole body was shaking my whole body. And I don't smoke anymore. This was just like a time in my life. I don't do drugs anymore. That was just a time in my life. I actually don't even drink beer anymore. Like my body hates it. But um, (laughs) this was a different story, what, eight years ago, right? So in June of 2013, we, you know, that's when everything changed. Because when I went back up to that bar and I sat down, my whole body, like my legs, I had so much adrenaline that my leg, it was just like coursing through my body and my legs were shaking. And I remember like sitting down and sitting across from me, this new guy had shown up and he had a Panama hat that was too small for his big head. But in a way, I kind of like looked at him and I was like, oh God, he would never go out with me. He probably has like 
a fucking rotation of of ass that's like waiting for him to call him today because it's Saturday we're at the beach he's probably gonna like duck out and go see some other like chick that he knows here right like that was was my first thought I'm like this guy is like amazingly dorky and cool you know there was no way he'd be interested in me right or whatever what a loser I mean you know these things that go through your head you're like a crazy girl so (laughs) So I remember then I was like, uh, I'm going to go sit next to Susan. So I go and I sit next to Susan and I ended up sitting next to what what turns out to be my husband today. And I had totally forgotten his name, but I started talking to him and I could tell I kind of liked him. Like he was nice. In fact, I remember looking at him being like, oh my God, I almost just got arrested. And he was just like, yeah, but you didn't. So can I just buy you a beer and you just have that and calm down? Like, seriously, calm down. You didn't get arrested. You're fine. You're here now. The cops are gone. And I'm like, sure, sure. That sounds great. I think I'm going to do that. That sounds awesome. And so, I mean, what better words could a man say to me at that point in my life, right? Living the life in San Diego, the man of my dreams, after almost getting arrested, says, Hey, can I buy you a beer? (laughs) Oh my God, it's love at first sight. Of course you can. So literally, we started talking. I I had to like turn to my friend Susan and be like, hey, what was his name again? She goes, Ian. I'm like, okay, cool. Hi, Ian. (laughs) Because I was like so out, like in my own, I was like out of my mind, like still like, oh, gigantic anxiety from and panic from that experience. Like I'd forgotten Like, I'm surprised I didn't, like, poop my pants because I was, like, that scared. And so, but I turned to him and started talking to him and just, like, fell completely in love. Like, literally 15 minutes later, I was, like, making out with him. There are pictures of us where it looks like we've been together for six months. And it's literally, I think I'd known him for a half an hour. And, I mean, I could not even explain Oh, I mean, I couldn't even come up with the crazy ass way that we met, right? That whole story. Like, who would ever believe that? That was not how Cinderella meant Prince Charming. You know what I mean? But hey, everybody's got their own way. So, you know, don't settle. Like, if you've got to believe, like, everything's inevitable and that the person who loves you is going to love you for you, that you don't need to change anything about yourself. That even if you are, like, you know, fresh off of like a run-in with the police like drunk at a bar you can still meet your soulmate and he will still love every part of you because we ended up hanging out that whole night I think we went from one person's apartment to the next like one party to the next party to the next party like I had never experienced this before where like a guy actually paid attention to me held my hand put his arm around me like you know like the whole freaking night and then asked me out for the next day and then asked me out after that for like a few days later and it was like instant chemistry and it ended up that we, um, you know, he was working on the super yacht. They had been in San Diego for like nine months. So we just assumed that they were all going to be around for a long ass time. Well, a couple months later in August, where we had made these plans to go do this and go do that. Well, they got word that they were leaving, that the boat was leaving San Diego. And I panicked. I was like, oh, oh my God, what do I do now? Like, 
how do, what if I never see him again? Like I knew there was something special about it. And in the following months, even as like I had gotten jobs here or there, nothing like had really worked out permanently. But again, I hadn't truly wanted it. Like at that point after meeting my husband and them leaving, I knew that like the like my, it, my limiting belief at the time was that the only way I could get paid was through corporate. And beyond that, once I did get hired, I'd only have two weeks vacation. And how the hell was I going to have a relationship with somebody who, who literally was a moving target in a super yacht around the world? Like I would get probably at most like a week's notice that they were going to be like in a certain spot. I ended up going to Puerto Rico for Halloween weekend to go see him and then there that's when I like suggested that I come to South Africa to see him like in December and I booked it for like a month and believe me we only talked on WhatsApp when he was gone and he was very bad at communicating on WhatsApp like there are times where I felt like fucking crazy girl because here I'm like telling people oh I've got this boyfriend he works on a super yacht and they're like oh is it based in San Diego I'm like no it's just like I don't know they're on their way here they're in Puerto Rico they're in the Bahamas they're over going to Gibraltar and I'd get pictures from him there were only like certain hours of the day that we could actually whatsapp to each other we went for like a month and a half maybe two months without even speaking to each other on the phone because like of our schedules or I don't even know why I think I was afraid to suggest to him that we actually talk on the phone and he was just kind of bad about calling me too and so there was times where I felt like a giant psycho because I'd be like obsessed with getting messages from him and like totally up and down in my emotions I had to keep myself busy I did definitely go do yoga I had to go out and like hang out with my friends as much as possible to keep my mind off the fact that this like you know long distance relationship was gonna like there was no end date I had no idea he had not planned on leaving the boat at all and every like I remember like he came in for my birthday they just happened to swing back through San Diego on their way down to go through the Panama Canal and go out to the Caribbean um and unbeknownst to them they were in the process of putting the boat up for sale so I ended up getting hired in a you know, another pharmaceutical job that was like a really great match that I had for like four years. Um, As soon as I got back from visiting him in in South Africa, which is when we decided to like, we were officially official and that he was my boyfriend. I was his girlfriend. And it was like, oh, thank God. Like this was a conversation that needed to happen. Right. But I mean, all along we were like, you know, exclusive. So The thing about it was that, though, you've got to have that confident expectation that things are always going to work out. And you've got to have like, oh, here's the one thing. When be specific about what it is you want, like be specific, not to a point that it like cramps your style or anything. But like when I when I was afraid to say San Diego or Fort Lauderdale, you guys like they're. (laughs) there's no way to explain this it's crazy but in the process of me thinking Fort Lauderdale is the best option he at that same time was in Fort Lauderdale like yeah 
he was actually in Fort Lauderdale working on other boats. He was a deckhand on several other like super yachts during that same period that I was considering Fort Lauderdale. He had only ever been in and out of Fort Lauderdale. He had no plans ever for going to San Diego at all. And it wasn't until I decided I'm moving to San Diego and I got there and I got settled and Susan met, Susan and I met the other guys from the Luna. At that exact point, he was quitting his job in Fort Lauderdale, taking a month off before getting a random email from Luna saying, we saw your resume and we want to interview you and then we want to hire you. So decide what you want just decide what you want know you can have it be a match for it and there's no stopping you from getting it you're only you're the only one your excuses your fucking stories your woe is me you're stuck in the past like all of these bullshit stories you're telling yourself those are the reasons why you haven't been able to do it yet and because I know because I was there too and I've been there for many, in many categories of my life, whether it's, you know, our marriage has not been like a hundred percent, you know, fucking roses all the time either. Like we had two kids very quickly after getting married and, you know, it's a, we almost like didn't even know each other at the time. You know what I mean? Like we, we were still getting to know each other. We literally went from like, we met in 2013, he moved, he was in San Diego to come live with me for the summer to see if it would work out after leaving the yacht and that was the next year and then the following year we got married and I got pregnant right away with Liam and then I ended up having Liam in December of 2015 so within like less than two and a half years I went from being single to a mom and married to a guy from another country that I had never been to before who literally had never been to the city I was in, never had any plans of being there. Like everything started falling into place. And because I, I I, have to say this because I get comments all the time. Does this work for 50-year-old single women? Like, yes, it fucking works for you. You're the only reason why it doesn't work for you. Your, your attitude and your excuses are the only reason why you're not getting what you want. Because who wants to be a match for somebody who wants to be a match for excuses and complaining more than actual loving themselves, having fucking self-worth, telling yourself what you're worthy of and setting a standard because your complaining is not a standard. Nobody sets a standard on like, you don't get any awards by being the best complainer in the world either. And once you start to realize that and you stop feeling sorry for yourself and you start doing something about you and being in your power, setting boundaries for what you're going to accept for yourself, think about the future you that's living a fucking amazing life with their soulmate. Do you think she sits there and complains about like, ooh, what was me? You think the guy that you want wants to sit and listen to a girl that just complains all the time like you guys aren't kardashians right like seriously be a real person be a real person to yourself love yourself enough to put yourself through this process of unraveling all of the bullshit excuses that are running around and allow yourself to welcome the love for yourself more than anything else 
because anything you aren't getting from your partner right now is something you're not giving to yourself. If you want your partner to give you more attention, then you need to give more attention to yourself. And if you don't trust your partner, then there's something that you don't trust about yourself too. So I know it's a little bit of tough love at the end of like a rosy story, but like honestly, if anyone is 50 and it works, let let me know. That was one of the comments I got on the Facebook post about this episode and it absolutely fucking works. It works at any age. It works at any age and you just have to be willing to let go of the story that it doesn't work for anybody over 50 because I can give you a million examples of people who found love after 50, like honestly, or 40 or 30 or 20 or after divorce. Like I'm a divorced person that had two dogs and no job when I met my husband. So you've got to move past these little struggles. You've got to move past like the shit that went wrong in the past in order to welcome everything that's available for you in the future and go all in on yourself. Take the risk. Do you think it made sense for me to leave an entire like Rolodex full of friends in a comfortable life in Atlanta where I literally could have gotten like right away. I remember like getting an email from a lady at Bristol Myers who was in like, I think the oncology or like HIV division, she was going to offer me a job making between like 80 and $90,000. And I said, no, I said, no. Cause I said, you know what? I just decided I'm moving to San Diego and that's just not a match for me. I can't accept this job knowing that I'm leaving. Who else would do that? That's dedication. That's the universe asking you, are you sure about this? Are you sure you really want it? Because it might be hard and you need to stick with your decision. So I hope you got whatever you needed out of this episode. And if like, if this sort of ass kicking is something that you need in your life to get you on track, I do have a couple openings. I'm accepting new clients in my private coaching and in my mastermind. And let me tell you, as somebody who's been there, you have to be your best advocate for this process. None of your friends are going to have the same exact outlooks or the same exact interests. And, and, you know, you've got to go all in on yourself This is, you only get one life. You only get one fucking life to live. And there's no sense in just delaying your gratification. You know, get the ass in gear and do something. Go find that soulmate, man. Go get all the money. Go get the job you want. Start the business you want. Just fucking start. Just do something. And you will love yourself in that process. Okay. If you love this episode, I want you to go ahead and hit subscribe if you haven't already on this podcast and leave a five-star rating or a review. Share it with people who need to hear this. Share it with your single friends. I have a lot of great magic coming your way in the coming months. Um, You know, aligning yourself with all the abundance that you could possibly experience, all of the love, all of the money the health, the high vibration, the opportunities, like, gosh, just the amazing soul, like, like when having your soul, like shout from the rooftops, how happy it is, all those sorts of things. Okay. Alrighty. I love you guys. I thank you so much for listening to this. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it was entertaining for you too. And yeah, 
I'll be back with more magic. Bye. Thanks a million for choosing to push play on another episode of the Manifestation Queen podcast. You truly amaze me. And if this episode blew your mind, then please leave a five-star rating and a quick review on iTunes so more people like you can become Manifestation Queens too. See you next time.